Welcome to the Geek Saga podcast series, Hot D Takes, covering HBO's House of the Dragon, episode by episode. Hi, I'm Tara Lynn of Geek Saga Entertainment, and welcome to Hot D Takes. This podcast series covers HBO's House of the Dragon episode by episode, with myself, an avid reader of all things Acewaf, and my friend Manny, a Game of Thrones fan who is unsullied, aka has never read the books, being your stalwart hosts. So first things first, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at A Geek Saga. And I am Manny, the aforementioned Unsullied co-host, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Manissimo Art. Thanks for joining our eighth episode, which will cover episode eight of House of the Dragon, The Lord of the Tides. As a reminder, expect spoilers from the episode we're covering, but less obvious, there will be very minimal book spoilers from Fire and Blood, which is of course the source material for House of the Dragon. We'll start with an episode summary, then cover what we think are the main hot takes from the episode, and conclude with an episode-specific favorites roundup. We also have a rating system that we will, like true Targaryens, fill in when and where we please, and that system includes rating things on a scale of 1 to 10 Targ eyebrows. Last but not least, each week we're joined by a special guest. This week it's Amanda, a fellow Aeswaf lover. Amanda, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh, they can find me on social media on Facebook and Instagram under Amanda Kirk. It's pretty much all I post is dark crystal memes and cats. So, Well, we're super excited to have you join us. Now, just one last piece of business before we dig in. Don't forget that Geek Saga Entertainment now has a Patreon with 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month. It offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return, including early access to these Hot D Takes podcast episodes. You can check it out at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. And now it's time for the long and the short of it, our weekly episode summary. Once again, years have passed in just a week's time. Six years to be exact. We are still in Driftmark, though, as it seems Corley's Valerian has been fighting in the Stepstones again and has been gravely wounded. His brother, Vaymond, is arguing about who should be Lord of Driftmark with both Corley's wife, Rainies, and granddaughter, Bela, arguing against him. And this is, in fact, the argument that drives everything that happens in this episode. Next thing we know, here's Damon harvesting some dragon eggs from Cyrax because Rhaenyra is pregnant. But not for the first time. She has already given birth to two sons by her uncle, Aegon III and Vazesis II. Something that is kind of brushed off because the real issue is that Bela, who has been ward to her grandmother Rhaenys for some time, has written to them about Vaemon's aspirations. Threats? Okay, let's be real. They're pretty much threats. And so it's time for a family vacation to King's Landing. Alicent is ensconed in a small council meeting when Rhaenyra and crew arrive, and boy is she rocking that obvious green dress with the most obnoxious seven-pointed star necklace. Already the small council is discussing whether Rhaenyra's son Luke should inherit some of them acting like maybe he shouldn't because can he command a fleet? But others not shying away from making snide comments about his... (gasps) Legitimacy. So we cut to Rhaenyra and Daemon visiting King Viserys, who is bedridden, looks even more like the Crypt Keeper than before. Viserys is confused about what's going on with Corlys, but happy to meet his new grandnephew sons or nephew grandsons. 
grandnephew sons, nephew grand. <laughs> not related to him, but we we don't know. Until he is racked by pain and begs for his tea, which is clearly laced with something based on the way Damon smells it. Meanwhile, Alicent has excused herself from the small council meeting, and one would think it's to go meet Rhaenyra and Damon, but instead it's to deal with the fact that her son sexually assaulted a servant named Diana, who swears she had nothing to do with it. Alicent, on the other hand, says she believes Dinah, but then dips into talks of how others might not and hands her a bag of coin and a cup of tea, which we hope is just moon tea, but... Who's to say she was apparently supposed to show up to dress Helena Nagan's children, and yeah, she didn't. Alicent does finally meet with Rhaenyra and Damon, and Damon is lovably snarky with her and calls her out for how his brother is being quote unquote treated, as well as the fact that Targaryen heraldry has been removed and replaced with symbols of the seven. Okay, Damon has been hard to love up to now, but we're in McDonald's mode. We're loving it. Anyway, we finally get eyes on Aemon, and wow did he get tall. He's also able to defeat Kristen in a sparring match, and even challenges his clearly much younger and smaller nephews right after that. Though things take a turn when Vaemon comes marching through the gates to press his claim on Driftmark. Thankfully, Rhaenyra isn't just sitting back and letting shit happen. She finds Rhaenys in the Godswood and compliments her on raising Bela so well. And although Rhaenys then accuses Rhaenyra of having Laenor killed, Rhaenyra vehemently denies this and then offers to marry her sons, Jace and Luke, to Rhaena and Bela, respectively. Now, as we know, Rhaenys herself wants to keep her family safe and has no aspirations to the throne, so it doesn't seem like she will agree, but hey, just you wait... Just you wait. Interlude. While it may seem like Viserys is completely out of it, he's actually not. Rhaenyra goes to him in the dead of night, asking about the song of fire and ice, and saying that by naming her as his heir, he divided the realm. She thought she wanted that, but then again, she says, it might be too heavy of a burden. Viserys then calls her his only child, which is another sign that he doesn't really know what's going on. But she begs him to defend his decision. In that moment, it's hard to tell whether he will, or whether he'll even be able to. But fast forward to the next morning, he is sitting up. The maesters are preparing him for something. And Viserys orders good old Otto to organize a family dinner. Speaking of good old Otto, he then holds court in the king's name to discuss the succession of Driftmark in case Lord Corliss doesn't survive. Vaemon states his case, and wow, this dude is bold. Too bold. But before Rhaenyra can clap back, the throne room doors open and in comes Viserys to save the day. And really, he does just that. While he looks absolutely terrible and can barely make his way up to the throne, in fact, he stumbles and his crown falls and Damon has to help him the rest of the way. He does eventually sit the Iron Throne, gold Phantom of the Mask cosplay and all, and asks why the fuck they are there to talk about a succession that has already been settled. Surprisingly, at this point, Rainey stands up and reiterates that Corlys wanted Luke to inherit Driftmark, and also announces Rhaenyra's desire to marry her oldest sons to Lena's twin girls. At which point, Viserys is all, huh? So the matter is settled? Again. Until Vaemon can't shut his trap and keeps arguing his point, outright stating that Luke isn't a true Valerian, and then insisting that he will not see the line of the House of Valerian ended by this situation, because Rhaenyra's children are bastards, and she is a whore. But don't worry, y'all, Damon immediately slides into the DMs with his dark sister and slices his head in half. Bye-bye, Vaemon, and good riddance. 
And hey, the fun's not over yet because it's time for a family dinner. Betrothals are announced. Aegon is snide about Jace not knowing how to please his betrothed, which also fuck you, you rapist. And then Viserys swipes off his Phantom of the Opera mask and holy shit, oh gods, why did he take that mask off? No one wants to look at this. Oh, fuck. (sighs) In all seriousness, though, poor Viserys. This is his Make-A-Wish Foundation moment, and he just wants his children and siblings and wife and grandchildren, and holy shit, there are so many weird family dynamics here to get along. Honestly, though, we really felt for him when he asked them to set aside their grievances. If not for the sake of the crown, then for this old man who loves you all so dearly. At this point, Rhaenyra stands up and toasts Alicent, praising her for doing such a good job taking care of Viserys. It takes a moment, but Alicent eventually stands as well and toasts Rhaenyra back, saying, You will make a fine queen. We're just going to ignore good old Otto being all starry-eyed during this whole situation, because honestly, fuck him. Viserys, on the other hand, is teary-eyed because everyone is getting along, right? Right? He asks for music, sees his family all eating and looking happy while Jace asks Helena to dance, and then he needs to be carted out, clearly in pain. But the minute he's gone, Aemon makes his own toast to his nephews, each of them handsome, wise, strong. So, of course, there's a fight. And it takes Damon fronting Aemon to get him to stand down because let's be real, no one is going to fuck with Damon. Yet still there's a moment between Rhaenyra and Alicent where one thinks, hey, maybe things can be okay. Because while Rhaenyra wants to take her older sons back to Dragonstone, Alicent says, you've only just arrived. And so Rhaenyra promises to return very soon on Dragonback. Minor interlude. BT dubs, you think you're about to see Damon doing crimes in his crimes cloak again, but nope. It's a servant from Allison's household bringing news to Missaria, the aforementioned Varys of this era. Now, the episode could have ended there and then, and yet. Allison visits Viserys, who clearly thinks she's Rhaenyra, which, ugh, and reminds her about the Song of Ice and Fire dream, saying she's the one who has to, you know, save the cheerleader, save the world. And probably, unfortunately, for Rhaenyra and her sons and a whole fuck ton of other people, Alicent, quote-unquote, understands this shit that wasn't actually meant for her. She leaves Viserys, and then he almost immediately, and kind of finally, based on his condition, passes away. Holy shit, this was a fucking emotional episode, and we're just gonna jump into hot take number one, which is Bebe's galore. Because... We learn almost right away that Rhaenyra is pregnant. I mean, she's with her son, Jace, and he's learning High Valerian, and she is very obviously pregnant. But then as soon as they go to King's Landing, she's carting in two babies to her dad being like, here's your additional grandsons, Aegon and Viserys. Both obviously Targaryen, by the way. And it's sad because Viserys is in the condition he's in. But also, girl be popping out babies like nobody's business, okay? Her and Damon have been married six years and they have two kids and she's pregnant with another. So good for them, I guess. 
she has six fucking kids at this point or five and about to be six five and a half five and a fetus let's go with that we're gonna go with five and a fetus because i don't want to say that to have a child because let's not be republicans about this right 5.5 republicans would say it's a whole child she's fertile as fuck yeah and look how close in age they are to each other she had a break between um luke and joffrey and then went back into and it's like wow wow babies everywhere Yeah, she's like a baby machine. It's just like, boom, one, one out the other, one out the other, ne- ne- next one, next one, next one. But you know, I mean, Rhaenyra's a strong woman, man. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, she's just, God bless her heart. You know, she's yeah. just pumping them out and surviving them. Because if there's anything this show taught mm-hmm. us was to never have babies, okay, <laughs> in Game of Thrones ever. My family line would have died a long time ago, you know, because it'd be like, nope, I ain't putting no girl through that crap. You can forget about it. Never have babies and never have a wedding. Yeah, seriously. I do also want to talk about the fact that, okay, so she named one of them Viserys. That's cute, right? This is Viserys the second. But she also named one of them Aegon when Allison already has a son named Aegon and is like, oh. Oh, yeah. We, we know why she did that to slight the other Aegon and Allison. I mean, she can slight that other Aegon all she wants. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, he is. Listen, I've read the book, so I know how he is in the book. But in the show, it was like they're making him a little bit more sympathetic with his mother just kind of beating on him and screaming at him all the time. And he might have some, you know, interesting proclivities when it comes Mm -hmm. to things. But this episode was kind of like, oh, so he is just that asshole. He deserved to get slapped at this episode. He did. Yes. Over that? Yes, he did. Yes, the fact that Rhaenyra named one of her children Aegon was just like, oh, oh, girl. Funny thing about that big ass slap is that I bought those Sony headphones that go with the PlayStation 5s and it has like this weird 3D spatial sound. So when she slapped him, I felt it starting here and then it came out the other end and I felt (laughs) like I got slapped. I felt like I did something wrong. I was like, oh, my God, I'll never do it again, mom. I'm sorry. So that's a short hot take. On the hot take number two, justice for Diana. Gosh, I feel like I should have trigger warning this entire episode, and I absolutely will in my text descriptions of it, but trigger warning for literally this entire episode, but mostly this part. Aegon is a rapist. And was that just moon tea that Alicent gave to Diana? Because she handed her a bag of coin, so I was thinking when she gave her the tea right after that okay maybe it is just moon tea right but then helena comes in later and we have to assume that the servant was probably dismissed so like that's that's kind of the obvious like okay the servant is dismissed but then helena comes in later and is like where's diana she was supposed to dress the children and then i started thinking oh god maybe she wasn't just dismissed and maybe that wasn't just moon tea and is Allison even worse than I already thought she was? So I don't know. Um, v- votes on whether we thought it was just moon tea. Uh, it's not the moon tea. It, my first thought was she literally turned Diana into a whore. She paid her off. Wow. Allison's like, damn, you're you're being all sympathetic and then manipulative as hell. Change your tone. It's like, honestly, her weird religious shit, her giant seven pointed star hanging on her chest in that small council meeting. Like I'm watching that and I see this scene where she's like, I believe you. I believe you. But also, what about the other people who won't believe you? Oh, so you're one of those. You're one of those. It's current social commentary 
done right right mm-hmm. like this is one of those things that when they do it right they're not shoving it down your throat and like looking at the screen and breaking the fourth wall and being like oh by the way <clears throat> this is about this current situation they just did it right that's what fucking goddamn i love about this show to begin with my take on on the tea my tea on the tea honestly i'm a little torn on it man i feel like maybe it was that thing and then the servant was just super embarrassed or just super traumatized that she just went and offed herself or something so i i I feel like that could be something that happened another thing that i'm thinking of is like yeah she just killed her with a bag of coin right so it's like oh look at this thief you know she just stole this money and then went killed herself just setting her up for like something you know i mean either way it's all like keeping her her hands fucking clean you know in it but i'm kind of torn on that one i don't know how did she have that bag of coin already ready he's done this before apparently it's like whoa oh yeah that family's fucked up man well and she also i mean she knew what she was approaching before she approached it like she was told because the the, uh, diana told sir eric it's sir eric with an e and Arik, maybe with an A. They're twins, by the way. They are twin Kingsguard members. For those who haven't read the books, no spoilers, just saying. She told Sir Eric with an E what had happened. And then she also told another maid i think it was actually the the not damon cloaked maid that (laughs) that brought news to Masaria later in the episode so she knew what she was getting into before she walked into that room so that's why she had the bag of coin and the tea ready but also again i want to hope that allison didn't just poison this poor girl but another part of me is like "Mm, maybe she poisoned this girl because they are not making Allison, I don't want to say good character because she was never a good character in the story that we know in the in Fire and Blood, but they are really driving it home that she bad. So she yeah. might have just straight up poisoned this girl. And poison is a woman's weapon, as we know from OG Game of Thrones. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I think the tell is going to be whether or not Diana like literally ever shows up again in any way, shape, or form. And you're right, Amanda. She made her a sex worker by paying her like that. She made her that. Whether or not that is something that she'll be relegated to in the future is who knows. But it's possible. It's possible we will see her again. So I'm very interested to see. I don't think it's it's not going to happen in this season, I'm sure. But I'm very interested to see if Diana ever comes up again. But still, justice for Diana, because of what the fuck? I get that Aegon is a prince, but Alicent, fuck you. You have so- become your father. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. Good old Alicent. Oh, yeah. Good old Alicent. Speaking of mom shit, though, hot take number three is mama talk in the godswood. We get into the godswood. Like, Rhaenyra knows Rhaenys is there. She comes in. She compliments Rainies on how she's raised Bela as her ward, how well she's turned out, because Bela is her stepdaughter, you know. And Rainies is like, ha ha ha, fuck you, you killed my son. And Renera's like, no, 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 I didn't do that thing. She can't tell her exactly what happened, but she's like, no, I didn't do this. Whether or not Rainies believes her is kind of, mm, I don't know, who knows. But the important part about this, I think, is that. Renera then offers the marriage packs between Jace and Luke and Reyna and Bela. And based on past episodes, particularly honestly what we talked about last week, Rainies wouldn't necessarily accept those because she does not have the ambitions that Corliss 
does in terms of her children, right? She actually wants them to be safe and to be away from the throne. She wants nothing to do with it. I guess later it seems that in this case, she decided that it would be safer for them to be part of that. I mean, listen, like we've seen them interact as child and... Aunt is second it, removed, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's something removed, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure what the removed things are. But it, she's not a direct aunt, but she's like a yeah, she's like a removed aunt, but she's still close to the family. Then she becomes Rhaenyra's mother-in-law mm-hmm. because she marries Lenor, and so we've seen them interact when Rhaenyra was a child, and it always kind of seems like. Rainey's was trying to talk to her and teach her things. To me, this is a really interesting interaction because the tables are kind of turned, I guess. Seems to keep her own counsel, which we've seen throughout most of the show so far. Keeping her children safe most of the time. She has unfortunately failed that quite a bit. Not through any fault of her own, obviously. I guess this goes back to the original show, You Win or You Die. I think that this whole conversation they had was just like... Like, it's nice that they get to, like, see each other and almost be, like, cordial. But in the end, it's like, look, you know, she thinks that Rhaenyra killed her, her son. So the fact that they're even within the same premise and not Rhaenyra's not getting knifed at some point, you know, I think is a is a step in the right direction. The marriage packs, man, that, that's one of those things that it's like, I would have agreed to it if I was Rhaenys just to say, look, if it makes my kids happy, like, fine. But, like, I know the stupid ass game you're playing because she's clearly not playing the game. You know, she's not in it for that she doesn't give a shit she doesn't fucking care i mean the marriage stuff makes sense you know and i think that's what it came down to for like rainies is like yeah it makes sense like sure and she even said she didn't care but it's like well the grandchildren are in the most position right now to be safe as they're well she is getting one of them to be the wife of the lord of driftmark and the other one's going to be queen in theory so Again, that sort of ambition is something that Rainey's never wanted for her kids. In fact, she wanted them separate from it. She wanted to keep them just part of Driftmark and that's it. But Vaymond is challenging that. And in my mind, she's thinking, how can I keep my grandchildren safe? And unfortunately, as much as I wouldn't want this, this is the way to keep them safe. Also, you're also talking about you're marrying your grandchildren. (laughs) To, to their your... cousins, who are also their step-siblings, which is like, yeah. mm, there's several yeah. levels of where there, but that is Targaryens, I guess. Yes. yes. Life, life in Westeros. So, hot take number four. <laughs> Vaymond, why are you causing all the problems? It is drama from beginning to literal life end with this dude. From the beginning of this episode to literally the end of his life, he... Yep. Starts at the very beginning with Rainy sitting on the Driftwood throne and he's saying, I should be Lord of Driftmark if Corliss dies. And by the way, Corliss is still alive. We know that he's very ill, but but he's still alive. He is still alive. And everybody's just like, but he's going to die. So Vaman starts this drama in the beginning with Rainy's and she says, my brother will cut out your tongue for this shit. And he's like, mm, but your brother doesn't sit the Iron Throne. A queen does because he is straight up allied with good old Otto. And what should we call Allison? Good old Allison doesn't fit. Bitch ass Allison. <laughs> he's allied with good old Otto and bitch ass Allison. <laughs> And then we get to Vaymond actually being in King's Landing, 
And they have the whole thing in the throne room where good old Otto is like, I'm going to control things. <laughs> because Viserys is so ill and shouldn't be even like moving from his bed clearly i mean crypt keeper times a thousand with this dude he's pulling an extra from walking dead right now yeah Yeah. seriously it gets even worse later as we see but for now good old Otto is like i'm the one who's ruling things right now in the name of viserys the king and we're gonna hear all the petitions and vaymond is just coming up like I should be the Lord of Driftmark. And at first it's like, okay, dude, so you're ambitious. It's fine. But then Viserys actually comes in and is like, why are we having this conversation again? And Damon straight up calls out Rhaenyra's kid's parentage, calls them bastards, calls her a whore. Fuck you, dude. Wow. This dude is just brazen. The guy's got some balls. I'll give him that. Yeah, that was going to be my my take on this one was that like, I understand if you're just talking to like, you know, Rainey's like in private, like, hey, look, we really need to think about this, you know, because kids don't really look like us. We want to really protect the Valerian name and or lineage or whatever the fuck. Hey, maybe we should discuss this and kind of like, you know, this is like kind of an elephant in the room that we're going to have to like talk about. But he wasn't like that at all. He just went in there and was like, oh, no, I should fucking get the throne. Well, yeah, sure. I should get a lot of things in life too, pal, but I ain't going to fucking get them. And then, yeah, going into fucking King's Landing, being there and just straight up saying this bullshit about Rhaenyra's kids. And I mean, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, pal? Like, I I, like I would have loved to have talked to this guy before he did that so he can tell me what he was going to do and be like, well, what do you think is going to happen? You think they're just going to be like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Give him fucking driftwood, sure. I think that his thought was he's clearly allied with good old Otto and bitch ass Allison. Mm-hmm. And then he fucked around and found out, and we'll talk about that one in a little <laughs> yep. bit. Okay, this is another case on this show of fucking around and finding out. This is Westeros. You can't fuck around. The looks that passed between him and good old Otto and Allison <laughs> when Viserys came just whatever the fuck he was doing like just barely stumbling into that throne room it was like those looks man they did not expect that like they wanted this to go their way and it went far south of that it was a powerful scene man powerful scene we might as well just dive into hot take number five which is literally all things damon now this is going back a little bit because i want to talk about when him and renera went to see Viserys at first. When they first get to King's Landing and Viserys is bedridden, he asks them to kind of prop him up a little bit. They bring his nephews and whatever. And Damon was stuttering and unable to look at his brother. And I don't, it was impossible for me to understand how they're trying to portray Damon feeling in that moment. But the fact that Damon was stuttering And as somebody who has had problems with stuttering, it's something that happens when you're nervous, when you're anxious, when you're not sure what to do or what to say. It was like, oh, shit. It was that moment where you actually feel again for the first time in a long time since maybe the first or second episode that Damon really truly cares about his brother and like hates seeing him like this and I thought that was a really powerful I don't even know if it was the way it was written I think it was more the way it was acted and directed they wanted Damon to look vulnerable 
in that scene. And I loved it. Subtlety, man. They just did yeah. it in subtlety is what it was. And it made such a huge impact watching him kind of shake a little bit when he was doing that. And he actually showed like a, like a humanity behind him to where it's like, you know what? Yeah, Damon is a fucking chaos, right? But like he loves his brother. You totally saw that. The fact that he was like looking around, he picks up his cup and he's like looking into it and he's like smelling it. You can tell he's like sees something, you know, like. They also played it off the fact he had not seen his brother in years, as, as we heard. The actual thing is you haven't seen your family member, someone you really care about, even though you're always at odds. It's like shock and pity and all these emotions coming out at the same time. It, you don't know how to react. And the stuttering is the first thing. And then as we see later on, helping him up to the throne, it's like, wow, he's really not a complete bad guy, just not to his family anyway. So he's not everyone's bad guy. He's just some people's bad guy. He's a chaotic Uh, neutral. Yeah. He's I don't out. Know, go with neutral, but in this episode, I feel like he was. But yes. you're absolutely right. In the other episodes, yes, he is not chaotic neutral at all. He's chaotic, but... evil, <laughs> he's chaotic. chaotic evil. <laughs> yeah, he he was chaotic neutral for most of this episode. There's so much emotion in this episode between Damon and Viserys that makes me like ah, I hate to fucking say it, but it makes me like Damon. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. When he helped the king and grabbed his crown and helped him get on the throne, yeah. I was like, fuck you, man. I want to be your friend now. <laughs> you know, like now you're like a good guy. What the fuck? It does go back to episode two when he says, You can't talk about my brother that way. Only I can. Well, and I think that with him helping Viserys up to the throne, because Viserys shrugs off all other help right the king's guard comes and tries to help and he's like no get out of here i can do it and then his crown falls and you see the hand come and like scoop up the crown and it's damon and i was just like god damn it god damn it down and he puts the crown on him and like like he's crowning his brother you know i'm like good shit man stop making me like you please Yeah, and then he backs off, right? He lets his brother do his thing. And and poor Viserys is just like, haven't we already settled this shit? Like, why am I here? Why did I have to struggle my ass up to this throne for something that was settled years ago? And Vaymon is such a goddamn asshole. Just such an asshole. And David just steps up behind him and is like... Like the summary said, he slid up into uh, Vayman's DMs with Dark Sister and just sliced off his yep. fucking head. Sliced off his head. Look, I... that motherfucker deserved it. Classic example. Yeah. He fucked around and now he found out. Okay. It's as simple as that, dude. And sometimes you don't see when it's going to fucking happen. And that was a totally legitimate fucking kill. Like, I had been in that room like, fuck, finally, somebody shut this asshole up, dude. Awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Honestly, is that the theme of this show? Fuck around and find out. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it is. Should be. Yeah, it should absolutely be that. Yes. I would have liked to seen the next scene not with the silent sisters, but with them just dragging his corpse out and feeding it to Cyrax. Just... He is still, you know, the second son of a major family. And third. And because... I love how they were like, we're gonna send this corpse back to Driftmark, and she's over here just like yeah, man, I've I've seen enough. I've seen a yeah. lot. Don't forget the top part of his head. It's over there. You know, when you take this, <laughs> it's just like you, you there's this much space spot. between his neck and his head. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like just get that over. No, it's right there under the kid's foot. Yeah, stop playing with that. Stop playing with. Okay, go, that's not a kickball. Exactly, it's not a kickball. Let's go. Come on, Ugh, fucking kids. Also, the makeup and everything in both those yeah. scenes was good. Wow, it was like gross. I don't want to watch this. The makeup in this episode was like Chef's kiss. I mm-hmm. mean, absolutely I between. What happened with Vaymond and what we see from Viserys throughout the episode was just, wow, Damon, just, because here's the thing, didn't have to wear his cloak, didn't have to do crimes, Damon was just badass in this episode, and I somehow went from being like, ugh, Damon, to being like, oh, Damon, and I don't say that in an I'm attracted to him way, because Matt Smith is still meh to me. And I know that I am in the like bottom 20% of people who don't find Matt Smith attractive, apparently. I'm, I'm in that bottom too, so don't okay, worry. Okay, thank you. Yeah, like I don't I don't have like a, an attraction towards him, but I think it's been pretty clear from the past episodes that we've gone through that he's been courting me a little bit, you know, to where it's like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like I can kind of see it where I'm like okay, well, it's not really my thing, but, you know, and I know you're, like, the bad boy and, like, all this stuff, but, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in this episode, I just saw him get serious. I'm like, you know what? Maybe there is a chance for me and him. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Maybe there is. I would honestly give Matt Damon. Matt Damon. D-A-E-M-O-N. I would give Matt Damon 10 out of 10 targ eyebrows in this episode. You know what? If just just because we're going on ten, it's gonna be ten out of ten. It really should have been like a fifteen out of ten with this one because I think he really he won my heart with this one. So, um, I would like to get into the one side look from Amond at Damon. It's like that was like was that I'm impressed with this. You're just bitch slapping everyone in the middle of the throne room and that just that look. That Eamon yeah. gave him after he cut off his. Well, and Dean, who is not a book reader, was like, Eamon really looks like Damon. And I was like, nah, don't go there. It's not like no, that. that look but he, he does. Gave. Yeah. Right. No, but but he does also look like Damon. Yeah. Like he they, does. the actor they cast for adult Eamon does look like Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Matt Damon. Yep. He definitely has a, a resemblance there. Oh, side note, and this is totally apropos of nothing, but is anybody else weirded out about the fact that Aegon looks super young compared to Aemond, his younger brother? Yes. Yes, Yes, he does. Yes. And Dean was like, I don't know, maybe it's like the eye patch and the scar. And I was like, no, no, that dude looks like he's like 30 and Aegon still looks like he's like 20. Yeah, (laughs) even when you see him without the makeup he still does look older yeah what are they doing there i really really like the casting for older Mm -hmm. aemond but they miss something with aegon here i get the idea of making him look look soft Mm -hmm. because that is something that comes up in fire and blood he's a drinker i'm very interested in the casting because aegon does look way younger than Aemon. Yeah, he, he's going to walk in with his dragon on his shoulder like, hello, fellow young Targaryens, you know? And I it's really... Like, <laughs> he's like, not, you know? <laughs> Hot take, 
number six. We're just going to jump into those fucking toasts because yep. they're having a bad time. Everybody's having a bad time. No, everyone's and... supposed to be with each other and they hate each other. So yeah, I'd have a bad time too. Yeah. yeah. Poor Viserys is just like, oh my God, can we please just stop? And this is actually something that is, it's not straight from fire and blood in terms of the wording and everything exact that happens, but this is a very important point in Fire and Blood, the book, where Rhaenyra stands up and toasts Alicent. Mm -hmm. And listen, to be honest, I felt like what she said was heartfelt. If she was faking it, I'm fooled because... Rhaenyra said to Allison, was like, you took care of my dad. Look at this poor dude. You took care of my dad. And then Allison, there's that, do I have to do this? But she does anyway. And she stands up and she says like, you know, we're both moms, blah, 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 blah. Do your thing. I'll do my thing. And like, you'll be a good queen. It sounded like Rhaenyra's was heartfelt. Just because it's like, look at my dad, look at how much he suffered, and you're still there, you're still taking care of him. I mean, damn. I really appreciate yeah. it, because I'm not here, too, so it's a lot of emotions there. This is a very emotional episode, like I believe you said earlier. So fucking emotional. Yeah. I teared up at least three times in this episode. It definitely moved me a bit, also. And that scene, yeah, Rhaenyra's stuff clearly sounded very heartfelt, like it was totally legit. And I think that Allison was kind of taken back by it. And that's probably why she stumbled a bit when she had to like respond, mm -hmm. because I think she just wasn't expecting that. And she's just like, wow, like, because being in her position, she's probably never acknowledged for anything, just acknowledged as like the uh, air maker. And like, yeah. that's it, you know? So when someone's saying, look, you took care of my dad, just you've always been there and you just nonstop, you're just doing, you know, all this stuff. And I think she was taken back by that. So I think that her response, Allison's response, I think, she was just trying to find words to put in her mouth. And then you have good old Otto over on the side being like, why are you saying this, Allison? Oh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I want to believe that Allison believed what she was saying. Yeah. Well, I believe she did because she said we're both mothers and we would do anything for our children and they both have so far. Yeah. I mean, they're cleaning up their mistakes. They're taking care of them, mainly with Allison cleaning up douchebags' mistakes over there, but... Yeah, maybe not well. <laughs> when she said you'll make a good queen, I think that's the one where I was like, should I feel like she meant it? Because I did. But after everything that's happened, I'm like, mm, did I, she though? Here's the thing. Is Allison manipulating me? Manipulating the viewers too? That is my question, right? I want to say yes, because she also said it. Look how happy it made Viserys. Look how happy it made him. Oh my god, my wife and my daughter are getting along finally. I can die happy now. I honestly felt like from the way like the show is, yeah, maybe she was just saying that as like a, a, a manipulative tactic or whatever. But honestly, I think she was just speaking outside of the influence of good old Otto. And she was just being like legit for a second and just being like, you'd be a great queen. That's what I felt from that scene. I think that's what, what what made that scene like emotional for me, you know, where it's like, wow, when you take away all the bullshit and you get to the realness of these people, like, eh, they kind of like each other. Like, that's kind of cool. One, I think also 
after the fact, after Viserys is gone and all the other bullshit happens, Renera says, we're going to go back to Dragonstone. I think that's best. And Allison says, but you just got here. And I really want to believe that as much as Allison has been problematic for episodes upon episodes, I really want to believe that in this scene, she meant what she said when she said, you will be a good queen. And she meant what she said to Rhaenyra when she said, you shouldn't go. You just got here. And Rhaenyra was like, let me bring my kids back to Dragonstone so we don't have any more of that drama. And then I'll come back here on my dragon and we'll chill, basically. Like, I really want to believe that was actually a positive thing between the two of them. Unfortunately, it was prefaced by the other toast, which was Aemond. And listen, I know that Aegon's poking on Jace about not knowing how to please a woman, which also... Yeah, neither do you, Aemond. Fuck you, man. Fuck you. Then Luke is kind of making eyes at Aemond, and Aemond stands up. As if we haven't heard enough from Vaymond earlier in the episode, toasts his nephews for being, each of them, handsome, wise, and strong. And he even pushes beyond that and makes another comment beyond that. But mm-hmm. my God, the toasts. You get two positive toasts where everybody's like, oh, so sweet. And listen, yeah, sure. Luke was eyeing Damon. From the other side of the table. He's winking the good eye that Damon doesn't have. But for fuck's sake, Damon. You 40-year-old dude in a like... Because honestly, I'm sorry. Aegon looks like he is 20. And Damon looks like he is 40. Talking shit. Poor Helena. I feel so bad for Helena. It's like, wow. What I liked a lot about this scene, it was very reminiscent of another movie. That was uh, Star Trek... Part six, the undiscovered country, when the Klingons and the Earthlings are trying to make peace. And it starts off nice, and then they kind of start taking these weird side jabs at each other, which is what, you know, this dude was doing also. And this was one of those scenes where it's like, if I would have been the host, I've been, guys, look, we heard the chimes at midnight. It's time to go the fuck home. Gotta go home because this is just gonna go downhill from here. I mean, I think when Viserys had to leave the room, you would hope that that would be the end of it. We had the two positive toasts, and you see all the family members seeming like they're enjoying themselves, eating their food, talking, mm-hmm. laughing. Jace is dancing with Helena. And you're right, though, Amanda, that it's not Aemond that talks shit first. It's actually Helena who is like, congratulations on your marriage. Hopefully you won't have to deal with him. He won't bother you unless he's drunk. You poor girl. In Fire and Blood, the relationship between Aegon and Helena, I don't believe is that fraught. At least I never read it that way. I always thought they did it out of duty and then that was she might have known about his outside well and helena in the books i think is less odd they than don't they really... are portraying her mm-hmm. in the show she's definitely a bit more odd than the rest of the targaryens mm-hmm. quote unquote and 
there's nothing about her being her personality simple. at all. No. Yeah. Well, and there's also other stuff about her marriage to Aegon where it's like, okay, so this guy's a dick, but he's not a dick to her. Yeah. Is what I perceived it as. So it's very interesting that they took this moment in the show to say, nah, he's a dick to her too. They touched on it last week in the Driftmark episode because mm. he was complaining about having to marry her. But it's a very interesting thing to me that they made it super obvious. They also could have made he's a dick to every female. Which clearly is. He is. So yeah, we get all those toasts. Rhaenyra to Allison, Allison to Rhaenyra, Helena to Jason Reyna because yeah. their betrothal was announced. Mm. On that note... Since we've covered all the toasts, hot take number seven is the last days of Viserys the first Targaryen. At least he died happy with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. All my family was nice for five minutes while I was in the room. Yep. Thank you. I can die happy now. And um, then they started, you know, having the traditional human thanksgiving where everyone insults everyone else and fights break out and that stuff the whole time every time he was on screen oh god he looks so bad everything is bad this is awful the makeup was amazing it was actually like when he took off his fan of the opera mask i couldn't look at the screen i was like i don't want to see this and that's how you know it's good makeup it was really good. That scene was a little like grossed out for me. I looked at it and I was like, oh man, dude, I understand that you want us to see as you are. Can we wait until after dinner? See, because he's going to take the eye patch off. Holy shit, that's gross. And then they're going to serve me dinner. I better eat the dinner. Because if I don't, then it's going to be like insulting. Like, oh, I saw the king's yeah. face and now I can't fucking eat. I'd rather throw up afterwards and be like, oh, no, king, man. I was having so much wine before you got here, man. And that was just, bah, you know, the fucking <laughs> wine too much. This was a, another thing, you know, that you had mentioned earlier, like about the makeup, that it was just done so fucking well. Mm -hmm. And the way I felt when I when I saw it, when he took it off, was that same feeling I had when I saw the fucking Dark Knight, right? With uh, Two-Face. Yeah. yeah. And they did that. There was this feeling that I had. It's like when you like watch a bad accident or you watch someone get hurt really bad, you get it's like an adrenaline rush almost where you're like, oh, fucking weird, you know? And that was how I felt with that. It was ugh, not going to leave my head anytime soon. I could not I, look at it. It was the eye that got me. The eye thing, yeah. And Anything that, was... that is missing out of a person will instantly strike up whatever phobia that is for me. So it's like it's like an instant trigger. If something is missing, I'm not talking about like an arm or anything like that, but if there is a hole going through somebody, yes. you know what I'm saying? My instinctual thing, there's some type of fear to it that instantly happens and it makes me sick to my stomach. And it doesn't have to do with like gross. I've seen enough gross stuff throughout my entire life. I've maimed myself in many of ways that never freaked me out. It's like my brain sees something and it knows that something is wrong there. It's like an uncanny valley type thing. You instantly go into this like instinctual. The eye thing, the socket. He also <laughs> had like the hole in his cheek. I could deal oh, yeah, with yeah. it just being the hole in his cheek. It was the eye thing. See, even with the hole in the cheek, I've seen these people get these piercings where they put like the hole oh, in the side yeah. of their thing and you can see their teeth and shit. If I see that, I'm sorry, I can't look at you. If I'd be like, look, I'm sure you're cool and shit, but like, 
my primordial part of my brain cannot look at you. Yeah, I don't want to see holes in your skin and you're still functioning normal. My brain is like, holy fuck, you're hurt. Okay, but it's like, no, you're not hurt. You just chose to do that. That's cool. But we just can't hang out unless you plug that up. Yeah. Or wear a Phantom of the Opera mask like the king did. <laughs> but then... So he goes back to his room and at the end of the night, listen, are we supposed to believe that this all should have ended better if Allison hadn't gone and visited him and he thought she was Rhaenyra? At first, I wasn't sure. But as soon as he said, you're the one, he was telling her about the dream of the Song of Ice and Fire. And I was like, why are you telling Allison this? Are you just out of your mind? But then he said, you're the one. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so he thinks she's Rhaenyra. And Allison's over here just like, yes, I understand. Everything about the end of this episode, I teared up several times throughout this episode. And I was not expecting that. As as we've said a couple times already, it was so fucking emotional. And I wouldn't say that him mistaking Allison for Rhaenyra was emotional but it was after that when she left and he was just like please let me go and I was just like dude you've been dying for like 20 years yeah the fact that he's survived as long as he did this is one of those things where it's like look well done my king well done just Just go to sleep and just die it's either the gods hate you or love you which one is it yeah, exactly. Which one? It was a moving scene. And the thing with Allison being there, I was like, well, of course. Because we all know that Viserys was just worried because nothing had really happened under his watch. But I think that that was just it because I think he was just a good king. And I think that you can see that with the way he dealt with like a lot of these family issues. When this kid loses an eye, he's like, look, this is it. We're done. We're not talking about this. This is finished. Say your apologies and it's fucking done. And then even with the dinner, it was the same thing. Just fucking be nice to fucking each other. And that's it. End of story, you know, and we're fucking finished. So you can clearly see that attitude that he has towards his family in the way that he rules also, where he's like, we're going to come up with a solution right now. We're going to implement it and everyone's going to be fine. And that's it. So I know that him, he thinks that he wasn't a good king because nothing happened on his watch. But the way I look at him is like, no, dude, you were a great fucking king because nothing happened on your fucking watch. You were the only one who kept your family from killing each other. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think the point of that is that he tried, but sadly, he wasn't a bad person. He just wasn't a good king. He wasn't forceful enough. And also, you've got these outside influences that for a little while, maybe it would have been fine. And then Good old Otto came back into the fold and yep. Allison, Allison turned into her father. But at the very end of the episode, when he's just like, please no more, you see his hand like reaching up and you only know he dies because it's a Game of Thrones show. There's no music on the end credits and I'm just like, oh, next week's going to be fucked up. Yep. yep. I was glad to see him pass, honestly, because he had just been through so much. And then in this episode, I was like, bro, just die at the dinner table and just get it over with. You're walking up to the Iron Throne. It's like, when you get there, dude, just die. Prick your other finger and just let let the fucking disease just get you again, you know, and just let you die. I just felt so bad for him. They did a really good job in Fire and Blood 
and this is something that Martin has said, he did not enjoy writing Viserys. And he said that the show makes him so much more believable and personable. And it's the writing, it's the acting, it's the directing, it's all of it. They did such a good job of making this person who in Fire and Blood is kind of an aside, honestly. He's the guy who gets us from the reign of old King Jaehaerys and good Queen Alysanne to the Dance of the Dragons. And he is basically just trash in the book, if you ask me. He is thrown away. He is described as a weak king, and that's kind of about it. And the show has done such a good job of making him a person that you actually care about. When he died, I was like, oh, shit, I got a tear running down my face. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. I felt bad for him. I mean, it was good. They did it good. Glad they did it the way they did it. I think they did yeah. real good. But it sucks that the book just kind of wrote him off as just like whatever. So I'm glad I'm getting to see it the way it is here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm getting to see it the way it is here because it builds more humanity for him, but it also puts more oomph behind the fight that has been happening and that is likely to come. That is to come, honestly. We know shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. It's time for our favorites roundup. Okay, I'm going to go first. Ready? It was Damon grabbing the, uh, helping the king up to the throne and the crown dropping. As much as I want to say that it was him taking off that that other dude's head, that was a cool scene, right? But to me, it wasn't just... Okay, it's Damon being Damon taking off someone's head, right? Having that come after, like him helping, like the king up and stuff. You would just saw that he was just he was there for his brother. You know, it wasn't a, even about king and servant or you know king and peasant. It was nothing about that. He was like, "You're my brother." And then this guy gets up and is like, not only attacking his wife, right? Because look, let's face it, those kids weren't—they're not even his. Not even his kids. He was just like, no, fuck it. And he just takes fucking head off. That was a great scene, and I loved it. That would easily be my second favorite. My favorite one, though, was just putting that fucking humanity into fucking Matt Damon there. Mm -hmm. And I just, I really loved it. When Viserys entered the throne room and everyone got that, oh, shit, look on their face. (laughs) Otto looks at Vaymond. Vaymond looks at Otto. Otto looks at Allison. Allison looks at the king. Rhaenyra's looks at the king. It's like, what the crap? It's like a whole Looney Tunes moment there. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and Jace asking Helena to dance. That was very sweet. And she looked so happy. She looked very happy. Someone actually asked her to dance. Yep. That was the cutest thing ever. Yeah, I'm doubling on that. My favorite was... She was just hopping around and just being, yeah. It was after Helena gave her toast where she was like, oh, happy betrothal. He'll ignore you most of the time. But like sometimes when he's drunk, he won't. And she's so upfront with it in a way that it's like, oh, no. Awkward. So awkward. And Jace. He's just felt so bad for her. That look of sympathy. It's like, oh, God. I think that some of it was also that he's trying to. He's trying to troll on yeah. his uncle. Well deserved because he was fucking around and that's yeah. the way he found out. He was like, oh, okay. You want to be a dick? Okay, you're- cool. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, sure. Say whatever you want. Hey, your wife. Yeah, let's go dance and have a good time in front of everybody. Yeah, exactly. No matter if his reasoning for it was even partly, maybe entirely, because he wanted to troll his uncle, I think that the best part about that was that he allowed Helena to feel 
wanted in that yeah. moment. No, in a sexual way. It's right? a happy way. It's like someone wants yeah. to hang out with me and dance with me. I never yeah. get that because my husband's a douchebag. They got up and they're they're dancing and Dina's like, what are they doing? And I was like, I don't know. This is some, I don't it's know cute. what dance they're doing, but they're having fun and that's what matters. And I just love Jace in that moment, even if it wasn't with the most pure intentions. It was very innocent though. I love him. Off. Yeah. I love him for that because this poor girl being married, this douchebag. But you got to love her attitude. The fact that she got up and like said that I was yeah. like, oh, girl, we're going to be friends. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is awesome right here. I'm like, dude, you better hold on to her because I'm going to take this one. This one's going to be mine. You know, I feel like she could be trouble because we've seen in past episodes. She said something about Eamon losing his eye before it even happened. And she had, like, Patrick says he's a fool that is part of Stannis Baratheon's household and he tells the future all the time and helena is i think what they're really calling her is dana the dreamer so instead of dana the dreamer it's helena the dreamer but she's very clearly seeing things before they happen but regardless girl deserves to have a good life and jace gave her a moment he gave her a moment where she just got to get up and have fun and dance a little bit and i love that there's so many Damon moments in this episode where I could call them out too, but also I'm just like, no, I'm still supposed to hate Matt Damon. I know. I know. This guy was courting me and now he's like putting the ring on my finger at this point, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> man, because he was just so tempered here. And when I saw him doing things, no matter how crazy it was taking someone's head off, it was like totally legit and like justified. He wasn't being a dick. Like this guy was disrespecting the king, disrespecting his wife. And not only that, but disrespecting stepson. But this is like the order of things. She is the heir to the throne. And this is what you're saying about her children. Believe me, it's better that Damon takes you now. Okay. Than when she gets in power. Okay. Cause you might yeah. catch her on a bad day, you know, and then you're going to get a little bit of the, uh, of the fire. At Believe least it me. was a quick death. Yes. A very quick death. Well, as we close out this episode, just want to give a shout out to our Heroes Tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Thank you so much for supporting us. And thank you to Amanda and to our listeners for joining us for Hot D Takes. Manny and I will be back next week with a new guest to cover House of the Dragon's ninth episode, The Green Council. Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con.